Please stand for the reading of God's word. Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can find that in your worship folder or in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known." So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Please be seated. Have you ever thought that you wished you had the gifting of someone else. They just seem so capable. You think it would be great if you had that ability. Uh, I remember when I was uh, playing rugby, going to a semi-professional training camp to get a sense of what uh, that would be like. The size of those guys the muscle definition. It was a whole different world. Plus, some of them had no teeth and scars all over their faces. (laughs) But that's a different story. Sometimes uh, people experience it when they go off to college. They've uh, done well at high school. But then they go off to college and they go from being a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a much bigger pond. I uh, came across some people at Cambridge who were so bright they could hardly walk. (laughs) Overdeveloped in one area. Borderline geniuses. 
It's easy also in the Christian world to think that the people who are really blessed or really used by God are the most gifted. Oh, if only I was as gifted as him or her, we think. Well, Paul is writing 1 Corinthians to correct uh, this misimpression. Certainly, the Corinthians were very gifted, and Paul is grateful for that. He says so many times. But the more excellent way, he says in the last verse of chapter 12, as he introduces this chapter 13 is the thing that binds us together, not that distinguishes one another from each other. What really makes someone effective in life is not the gifts they have, but the love with which they use them. And this love here is not merely a brief summer romantic love. Oh, it is the strong, costly, risky love that courageously gives our lives for others. And Martin Luther King put it like this, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Or he said elsewhere, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. And so in this famous hymn to love, arguably the greatest piece of writing ever penned by mortal man, Paul is showing us why love is the more excellent way. This way of love, not just what we do, but also how we do it. Not, not only the gifts we have, but the way those gifts are exercised. Not just a verb, but an adverb too. Not another burdensome task, but the way the task is joyfully performed. This way of love is the more excellent way. But why? Well, first, without love, we are nothing. Second, love is the mother and father of all other virtues. And third, love is eternal. First, without love, we are nothing. This is verses uh, 1 to 3. And as you scan your eye down there, you will see that Paul shows three excellent, even supernatural giftings that still mean nothing without love. One, speaking without love is nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In the background here, there was a long disagreement with the Corinthian church over speaking. Paul says, whatever kind of speaking, whether excellent human speaking or supernatural tongue speaking, even that without love is only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
the clanging cymbal refers to the kind of instrument that was used actually in pagan worship at the time. So Paul was saying that without love, even inspired speaking might as well be leading us to worship a pagan god. Two, knowledge without love is also nothing. Prophecies, mysteries, knowledge, faith, whether human or miraculous, without love is nothing. Three, self-sacrifice without love gains nothing. Now, there's a footnote in most modern Bibles to the phrase, if I deliver my body to be burned, indicating an alternative reading, deliver up my body to boast. If it was the latter, it refers to Paul's idea of boasting as sometimes being something positive. That is a courageous declaration of the truth in the face of opposition. Either way, the point is impressive, self-sacrificial piety. That too, Paul says, without love, gains nothing. The person who gives away a lot but is bitter and angry about having to do so undermines the sweetness of that gift for themselves and countermands its effectiveness in their own lives. To be sure, the gift itself is still useful for the kingdom, but its usefulness is undermined in our own lives. We gain nothing from it when it could have made us blessed in the giving. Without love, we are nothing. You know, in the uh, 1940s, an unusual experiment took place. One uh, Rene Spitz followed two groups of children over the first few years of their lives. One grew up in an orphanage where they were well taken care of but had very little human interaction of any significant kind. Certainly not affectionate or kind interaction. The other group was with their mothers but grew up in prison with significant economic and other kinds of deprivation. For the first uh, four months, the two groups uh, developed basically similarly. But by one years old, the orphanage group were less curious, less well-developed, as well as being more susceptible to actual infection. By three years old, the group raised in prison were developing normally. They were talking and walking, but of the 26 children in the orphanage, With no human affection, only two could walk or talk. Without love, we are nothing. Parents, love your children. You know, I know pastorally that when a child grows up to be an adult and they've been loved as a child, you can can just, you can tell. Love your children. Church, love each other. Forgive. Think of what the other needs, not what you want. 
with all our gifting and resources, and we are a very gifted church, let us continue to exercise those gifts with love, care for the others, for what is best for someone else, preferring others over ourselves, not for ourselves but for the kingdom. What people will remember about us is how we love each other. We can get everything else wrong, but if we get this right, we will be something. If we get everything else right, but we get this wrong, we gain nothing. First, love is the more excellent way because, first, without love we are nothing. Speaking without love is nothing. Knowledge without love is nothing. Self-sacrifice without love gains us nothing. Second, love is the mother and father of all other virtues. Uh, Look with me at verses 4 to 7. You can see there that Paul is describing what love is, what love is not. And what love does as he defines love for us. One, love is patient and kind. So when you love someone, you are kind to them and you are patient with them. Patience is not an easy virtue, of course. You know the old poem and how it puts it. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Seldom found in a woman, never found in a man. But it is found in the one who loves. Now, the King James translates it very well here. It says, love suffereth long. Well, to love someone means to be patient with them, which means very often to suffer long. Kindness, it's a much undervalued virtue, isn't it? In all, in this section, it's often been said that we could replace each of the descriptions with the name of Jesus, and we would have a living, breathing picture of what Paul means by Jesus. Kindness is it's, it's, it's very different, isn't it, from the rhetoric of our current political discourse. Christian, we are not to copy the rudeness of that current political discourse. Not the nastiness of the talk we hear out in the blogosphere. We are to copy the kindness we hear from Christ. Someone uh, once said, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a battle. I can tell you as a pastor, nothing shocks me more than discovering time and time again the pain that people carry you would be astonished to know what battles people you know fight each day. Be kind. Two, what love is not? Well, then there comes here a list of things that love is not. It does not envy. It's not arrogant. It doesn't brag. Uh, The kind of boasting that is meant here is that of being a braggart beating up on your own chest and tooting your own horn. The fascinating thing about this list is that each of them has been utilized earlier in 1 Corinthians as critical descriptions of what the Corinthians actually are. 
So this list sounds so beautiful, and it is read out at weddings and the like, but really what Paul is saying here is this is what love is not, and what love is not is what you Corinthians are. Now, churches, particularly I'm afraid evangelical churches, often forget the primacy of love, zealous for truth, but not compassionate. This is why I so appreciate college churches' historic commitment to in essentials unity, in non-essentials diversity, in all things charity or love. We do not have to agree on everything, but we do have to be agreeable or loving. What love is, what love is not. Three, what love does. What love does is it generates, it produces, or is the mother and father of all these other virtues. It uh, rejoices with the truth. So we should never put love at war with truth. If we love, we rejoice with the truth. To avoid truth because we love is actually to make a category error, confusing and comparing apples, if you like, with oranges. Truth is what we believe. Love is how we behave. So when we believe the truth, we love. And when we love, it is because we rejoice with the truth. Love bears all things. Love has a carrying each other's burdens tendency. Love will look to help and assist and be Christ-like in carrying someone else's troubles. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Love forgives and moves on. Believes all things. This does not mean that love is gullible. But the love assumes the best, not suspiciously suspects the worst. Think well of your leaders. Think well of each other. Assume the best. Hopes all things. Not being naive about difficulties ahead, but orientated towards the best is yet to come. I always like uh, this uh, perhaps apocryphal quotation. When I look at the next generation, I despair for the future of the world, said by Aristotle in about 300 BC. Whatever your eschatological framework, whatever you think about what's going to happen in the last days, if you love, you will hope all things. To love is to make room for the coming generation to flourish and to do things their own way. Love endures all things. Paul is back to perseverance and patience. Love has a stick ability that nothing else can match. Well, this all means that now 
because love is the mother and father of all virtues, now virtue is no longer the cold, joyless negativity that often we think of it as being. It is not, as H.L. Mencken put it, being alarmed by the possibility that someone somewhere might be enjoying himself. The love, the love of God that we receive by faith. Did you hear that beautiful song that Eric sang for us? To receive the love of God. It transforms us. New York Times journalist David Brooks explains the difference very well. I'm just going to read it for you. He says this. Self-control is like a muscle. If you are called upon to exercise self-control often in the course of a day, you get tired and you don't have enough strength to exercise as much self-control in the evening. But love is the opposite. The more you love, the more you can love. A person who has one child does not love that child less when the second and third child come along. A person who loves his town does not love his country less. Love expands with use, Brooks says. So first, love is the more excellent way because first, without love, we are nothing. And second, because love is the mother and father of all other virtues, what love is, what love is not, what love does. God's love that you can receive through faith now gives you the power to love in the here and now. One author put it like this. Lighthouses don't go running all over an island looking for boats to save. They just stand there shining. So if you want to be patient with that annoying person, you don't need to say their name out loud, but you know who I mean. (laughs) If you want to be kind to that difficult person, if you want to be hopeful for the future, It all starts with love, loving as Christ loves you. Would you receive love for him, from him today so that you might love as he loves you? Third, love is eternal. This is verses 8 to 13. It's so beautiful. It deserves being read again. Verses 8 to 13. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfection comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up. Childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. 
Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now beautiful, but with a particular precise meaning. He is showing us that love is the more excellent way because love is eternal. That is, love is the only one of these famous triad of virtues, faith, hope, and love, that lasts and continues in heaven. To show us this, Paul gives us a comparison, an illustration, and a vision. One, there is a comparison. Prophecies will pass away, tongues will cease, knowledge will pass away, but love never ends. And so as valuable as gifting is, as valuable as knowledge and tongues and prophecies are, they are temporary. Love, though, is eternal. So when the perfect comes means when Jesus comes back and there is a perfect new heaven and a new earth. As Jonathan Edwards put it, heaven is a world of love, but the giftings will pass away. In heaven, there is love, but no need anymore there for faith or hope. There's an illustration. Now pay careful attention to this illustration. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. That illustration is saying precisely the reverse to what people often think about love. People think love is for the young. When we're mature, And exposed to the real world, when we grow up, we will realize that while love is good for children, for adults, it's less necessary. And in fact, it can get in the way of practical hard nose, real politic in the world of work or government. But Paul says that actually it works the other way around. When we are a child, he's talking of a baby before it can speak. When we are a baby, we're not naturally loving of other people. That cute, cuddly bundle of joy is born into this world thinking mainly of itself and its own needs. It cries, it gets food. It's wet, it gets changed. The world, it appears to it, revolves around it. But as we grow up, We increasingly realize, and as we spiritually mature, we certainly realize that life is not about us. It's about others. It's about God. And so the mature person is the more loving person, for their focus is not on themselves, but on others and serving others. So similarly, Paul was saying by this illustration here, if a child becoming a man, when we get to heaven... We'll put behind us the childish ways of lovelessness or selfishness. The person filled with selfish ambition, not loving others, that person is a baby. The person who gives themselves in love to others, that is the mature person. And similarly, therefore, when we reach our final point of maturity as Christians, when we are perfected in heaven, we will be people of love in a world of love. So then three, a vision. Now we see in a mirror, then face to face, now know in part, then fully as fully known. So we don't see clearly now. Uh, mirrors in the ancient world were not crystal clear. But then we shall actually see the risen Christ, His face clearly. We will know in heaven 
fully, not comprehensively, for no finite being can grasp the infinite God comprehensively, but we shall know accurately, without error, and in that sense, fully, as we are fully known. This is love relationship language, experiential, not theoretical language. Our relationship with God shall in heaven have then that glorious, consummated intimacy for which all true Christians long because they have tasted it now by the Spirit. His love in their hearts now will burst then into an eternal thrill of joy forever. And so now, he concludes, right now there is still faith and hope and love. These three now are in this world remaining. We in this world have need to walk by faith, not by sight. But then in heaven we shall see. In this world we have need to exercise hope, looking forward to the coming of Jesus. But then in heaven we shall have had that hope fulfilled. And so of these three great Christian virtues, therefore the greatest of them is love, for it alone is eternal. It alone will be present in heaven. Heaven is a world of love, an endless, thrilling, joyful, celebratory, consummated, glorious world of divine love where we serve others without a tinge of selfishness, where the word on each of our lips will be others and the narrow-minded selfishness which still besets us. From it we're released as we enter into the freedom of the glory of the perfected people of God in constant communion with God himself, the God of love. Love is eternal. Now, it's today, isn't it? It's, it's easy for us to think of romantic love as better than gifting, wealth, or fame. Entrenched in our culture are songs that celebrate the power of such romantic love. Money, they sing, can't buy you love. In more fine terms, Shakespeare, his famous sonnet, celebrates such romantic love. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. This poem living as long as it does, this gives life to thee. Thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings. I scorn to change my state with kings. Romantic love. But the love Paul celebrates here is Christ-like love. Costly love, cross-shaped love, courageous love. It's this love that frees us. Nelson Mandela in jail for many years, when he was released, understood the importance of this way of love. He said, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Actually, the uh, Disney movie Frozen has an interesting twist on this. The two heroes go to see the love experts who are trolls. And uh, they sing a song of romance uh, to this, uh, th- these uh, young things in front of them. When she's found, though, to be mortally wounded, they are told that only a true lover's kiss can heal her. And so they race off to take her to the one she thinks loves her to find that he is a sham, 
And in the end, the love that heals her is the love not of a lover, but of a sister. Of course, we are not tied together by blood. Or are we? We are tied together by a greater, more precious blood than mere human DNA. And in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. Now, don't worry, I'm not encouraging you to kiss each other as you leave this morning. But like Paul, I am exhorting us by means of this majestic hymn of love, that because without love we are nothing, because love is the mother and father of all virtues, because love is eternal, because of that love in Christ that we can experience again this morning, to be conduits of healing to each other. How, you say? Love is the way. Patience, kindness, forgiveness, rejoicing with the truth. Love is the way, and it is a more excellent way.